are the funniest people I know. These are the funniest people I know. Said improv riffing, callers some sketches, characters and interviews, and then some more sketches. Now these are the funniest people you know. Now these are the funniest people you know. Now these are the funniest, these are the funniest, these are the funniest, these are the funniest people I know. Hello, world. Welcome to the funniest people I know. I'm George Kaloris, and with me today are my fabulous, funny co-hosts, Alexandria Sweat. And Abigail Williams. How's it going, everybody? You know. You never asked, so I was just thrown. Right. Never asked. I don't know. I I can't even prove that's true. Yeah, you can't prove that. No, I don't think that even is. Let's just do that all over again. No, I like it. How are you guys doing? (laughs) I like it, too. (laughs) I'm committed. I also want to shout out that I have kept a streak of not spoiling Abigail being the next co-host. It's been a consistent thing. It's been a streak of two whole weeks, and I am proud. I build suspense. Who's going to be at the end of that sentence? Basically like a little mayor of Easttown every time we start this episode. Exactly, which is a phenomenal show. Shout out. It was good. Each week, we kick off the episode with a round of what's making you laugh. We're each going to tell a story and then pick one to dive into. Alex, what's making you laugh this week? Zeus. The god of thunder? Maybe more like a off-brand streaming network named after okay, the god of okay, thunder. <laughs> okay. I didn't know where we were going with that. Abigail, what's making you laugh? This week, I'm laughing at the same thing I was laughing at last week, which is ludicrous lawsuits. <laughs> and I'm laughing at the possibility that there might be a ghost in my restaurant. <laughs> what? I want to know all about that ghost. Well, I'd be more than happy to tell you, but I know if we don't pick yours, we're just going to have it again next week. And yeah, that's right. Week and yeah, next okay. Week. So we might all as well right. cut to it. Cut to the chase. I like your logic. I mean, he's not wrong, listeners. George, Alex, I think at the end of this story, you and the rest of the American public are going to be thanking me because I'm actually here to bring you guys some news that you should be aware of. Have you bought chicken in the last decade? Because if so, you might get money in a class action lawsuit. What? I I think I know what you're talking about, Abigail. If you purchase chicken in the last decade, you could be entitled to some money back. There is a $181 million settlement that is pending in the broiler chicken antitrust litigation, a class action lawsuit that alleges price fixing within the poultry industry. I knew it. I just got to tell you, as someone who has been buying chicken, I don't know, weekly for the last 10 years, I'm just wondering how much I could be receiving. We've been overcharged. This is how you submit a claim. You can go to, Uh and I quote, overchargedforchicken.com. Yes. Yes. Now, here's the bad news. You need to be a resident of one of only 24 states or Washington, D.C. to be able to claim your money back. Then I guess you have to move. Yeah, exactly. You can't unfortunately get the benefits here in Georgia, but if you want to move to a qualifying state like Florida or California, there are tens of cents out there to be made. Just exactly. think about it. Where the milk flows like honey, you could make those pennies. Okay. 
that check for a dollar and fifty two cents once you go out to California will really help. Set and let's up be honest, it's probably going to be a check for thirteen cents. I mean, right? Oh no, y'all! I bought talk. a lot of chicken. <laughs> That's true. I did too. Though I think most of America did. Right. The sad reality of this is that the people who suffered the most were the farmers. They were not benefiting from these price sets. It was always the big guy at the top. I'm going to donate my 13 cents to them. Do you know who else it probably sucked for? Maybe even more than the farmers? The The chickens. (laughs) They (laughs) get no money from this transaction. From their life. Their life's work. Their life's work. (laughs) They sacrificed themselves so that we could have a nice, broiled, crispy treat. Uh, I I don't even think they sacrificed themselves. Their lives were just taken. Maybe we should set up a fund for the chickens with these checks. Chicken defense fund. Overcharged for chicken.com or outraged for the dead chickens.com. <laughs> you decide which place you're going to put your attention. So Look that's what us. I've been Get laughing back. At. We'll include that link in the show notes and I'm going to move into a small apartment <laughs> in a no income tax state on that list and claim my 14 cents. Cause Good. I have it coming to me. I'm not just leaving that money on the table. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Ka-ching! Speaking of chickens, what a great Uh transition. I'm so glad that that got set up. We made a movie recently, and we we should talk about that. Yeah. The movie is called Funky Chicken, which is why George said, speaking of chickens. Yeah, I (laughs) guess I should have explained the rest of that segue instead of just being real proud of myself. (laughs) We made a short film with our very own Will Amato. He wrote this piece. Actually, it starts Abigail on this show. It has very deep, funny people roots because Will told us this story about his brother-in-law having this crazy, embarrassing situation where he had to step in for Will's sister as a chicken singing telegram at a birthday party. And then we're like, oh my God, you should make that into a movie. Then on the show, Will made it his New Year's resolution in 2019 to make this movie. He wrote a draft and we read it on the show. So there's an episode called Funky Chicken that we did a couple seasons ago. The egg of the funky chicken is the funniest people I know. Listeners, oh. it has happened. The funky chicken has been dropped. It is cracked <laughs> right. open. It is out. Uh, our very I love this. friend of the pod, Tom Rhodes, played our chicken. I played Peggy, the original chicken that Tom had to step in for. I had to fake vomit about 9,000 times on set, <laughs> yeah, and I'm probably it. never going to forgive Will for that. Abigail had, it was ramen, right? Actually, no, it was a mixture of water, tomato soup, some gluten-free crackers, some random noodles, and it was in a old coffee cup, so it also had a taste reminiscent of coffee. It was cold. Oh, no. And this was my vomit mix that I would have to hold in my mouth and used to vomit but the problem is life is funnier sometimes than the things we make up because will would say okay we're ready go ahead and get the vomit prepped and i would say are you sure and he'd say yes i'm taking spoonfuls i'm taking a big sip and i am holding this taste (laughs) and these lumps in my mouth and i'm ready and all of a sudden will would go you know let's adjust the shot here and now i've got one to four to seven minutes 
minutes of holding this in my uh, mouth. The oh, glamour. And he asked me questions. Once he said, we need you to snore in this take. <laughs> oh, my God. I think my eyes just got wide and the sound guy was like, yeah, that's not going to be possible. <laughs> I almost vomited for real. I was like, I'm a method actor. This is happening. Oh, I'm horrified for you, Abigail. <laughs> oh, my goodness. George was the head producer. Is that right? Yes, I helped put this together, which was a lot of fun. Will wrote it. We had a really great production team. It was a two-day shoot, and so we had two different locations. And the second day, we were shooting a big party scene with the birthday party the chicken goes to. And Alexandria, <laughs> you were in that. So I got to work with you on Ow. this, too. George was texting me all morning, and all he kept saying was, oh, my gosh, Alexandria looks so good. Oh, my gosh, Alexandria (laughs) looks so good. She looks so good. And I was like, I get it. I mean, Zen pick. And he was right. I had the opportunity to be a little tipsy before noon. It was an excuse for me to get cute, and so I really appreciate it. I had a good time, too. I got to see some special effects on set. There was fight choreography. I saw someone I used to work with back in my Alliance Theater days. It was a little family reunion over there. I really enjoyed my day on the Funky Chicken set. Yeah, it was a great set. We did a big production. It was a fight. There were fire effects. It was the biggest undertaking we've ever done for a short film. It was run beautifully. We had a great time. Shout out to Will. Shout out to George. Shout out to me because I did all the casting. I was a quote unquote, and I'm proud of my title, associate producer. But what I really did was casting and hashtag miscellaneous. But we actually had a lot of people who did quite a lot of work on this thing. We're really excited to share this with you guys, listeners. Um, And when we have it, we'll have to put up a link for it. Alexandria, you played Carol, who's a friend who's at the birthday party. Carol's really sassy and really funny, and you really brought it. But at one point, you and I were chatting, and you sat there and gave me this entire backstory for Carol, <laughs> who she was, what her job is, what her plans were for the day. Alexandria you remember that? is a professional. This ain't a hobby. See, you know, my nerve look, no. <laughs> I bring it to everything. I felt like throughout the day, I developed a more and more detailed story for Carol at first. So this is her first party of the day. She's coming through for her friend. And then she's going to brunch after this. This is why she's drinking wine at the grandmother's birthday party. <laughs> then it got deeper. And I was like, okay, here's the thing. Carol and the wife are best friends from college. She hates the husband. I hope that it helped me bring something special to the table. <laughs> You also bonded with this extra that was there. And you guys created an entire relationship for Carol. <laughs> and it's really funny. I've gone back and I've looked at the footage and that work pays off because he has specific reactions to things you say and it makes it even funnier. <laughs> yes. His name was Will. We called him Extra Will. Extra yes. Will. Will too. <laughs> Will was awesome. He was a great set partner that day. It was so funny because we would spend the day just talking about random stuff and I was thinking in my head like he's really getting into this Carol stuff with me too. I appreciate <laughs> it but you didn't have to do all that. He was committed. You guys are having a good time. It's great. I look forward to sharing more Funky Chicken with people when it comes out. Yes, absolutely. Yes, I'm excited to see it. Speaking of work that we have been doing while we're here, (laughs) let's just keep going. While we're log rolling. (laughs) Exactly. George Uh. loves to say that we're log rolling. (laughs) 
while we're here, let's talk about something else. George, Will, and myself are putting up a show called Church Mice. This is a live sketch comedy show that Will and I kind of birthed out of a random prom sketch. Then we were talking to George and then we started brainstorming about what this sketch show could look like. And it became something that celebrates church culture and also has a lot of fun with it. It's a show about faith set in the Christian setting. And it's not in any way making fun of religion, but it is absolutely making fun of all of the weird stuff and traditions that we've come up with kind of in the church as she has aged through the centuries. It's a fun celebration. And we've got tons of sketches. We've got some choreography. We've got lots of musical parodies. And we thought instead of a writer's graveyard from something else, let's do a writer's graveyard that is fresh, something that did not make it into this show, but that we were still excited about. Today, I have brought two musical parodies that Will Amato wrote for the show that we ended up, for one reason or another, not using in the actual show. And so we're going to sing through them here. We is doing a lot of work in that sentence. It's you singing, maybe Alex, certainly not George. I had a little bit of sweat on my brow. I will be singing these. This first tune is to Bruno Mars' That's What I Like. Here we go. Be a good Catholic, head to confessional, tell it to a priest, seek a professional, tell him all your problems, you can spill it all, or you're gonna go straight to hell, God's love is shining so bright, he sent his son Jesus Christ, king of the Jews and Israelite, an acolyte, as shepherds watch their flocks by night, those Canaanites, he turned our darkness to light, Teaching the world wrong from right. Do not covet thy neighbor's wife, thy neighbor's wife, or else your wife will end your life. She'll end your life. Yeah. It's like a turd. <laughs> yeah, it sure did. It's like a In the original sketch that this parody was written for, the woman singing it was singing it to her husband as he was actively cheating on her with someone else. So it takes a turn. I'm glad you explained that because it sounded like Will was working out some stuff. This was a woman in a sketch trying to get her husband to confess his sins. And in the end, she just calls it straight out, drops the mic and goes on with her life. The next parody I'm going to do is one in which Miss Rebecca was singing a song to some teenagers at prom about not drinking on prom night. This one is to the tune of my guy. No amount of hooch could make me untrue to my God, my God. No amount of rye could make me tell a lie to my God. Well, I'm sticking with my God because his love is so sustained with the time I have remaining. I'm abstaining. We want a home alive, so please don't drink and drive on prom night. Oh, wow. <laughs> That makes me think of Sister Act. Oh, I like it. Yeah, these That's songs immediately where my head goes. And that's a good place for it to go. And that's a super fun film and a lot of fun in Singing Land as well. But <laughs> Singing <laughs> Land? Where is Singing Land? What is Singing Land? Singing Land is where we are whenever we're singing songs. What if it was down the street from Candyland? Is that too <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Singing Land is in Riley's imagination and Inside Out from Pixar. That's the whole thing. It's the Singing Land is in my brain. These songs were meant to be really corny parodies. So it was meant to be a Christian band got booked to sing for prom night. And so they're taking all of these songs and changing the lyrics to be 
appropriate. So they're meant to be cheesy and almost groaner at times. Well, they definitely are. <laughs> and I think they're a lot of fun and also understand why they're in the graveyard. But the message yeah. is good. You shouldn't drink and drive on prom night. That's, like, that's, true. that's a solid message. Solid. Absolutely solid. Church Mice is going to be playing live for the first two weekends in October. October 1st and 2nd, we're going to be playing at the Village Theater in Atlanta. And then October 8th and 9th, we'll be playing in Lawrenceville at the Aurora Theater under the stars. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you come out and join us and find the parodies that did not get cut. We'll include links to that in the show notes as well. Okay, Abigail, it is your last week for your pop culture blind spot challenge. This is where Alexandria and I gave you a series of pop culture events, shows, movies that you needed to check out because we felt like you missed them. And what was the last one you were watching this week? The last thing on my list was Coyote Ugly. Oh, that's right. Yes. Oh, okay. I finally know what that image that was seared into my 14-year-old's mind was four. I now know what the movie was. I know what it was about. And I got to tell you, the biggest shock of the whole movie was seeing a girl that plays in the show Blue Bloods shaking it and dancing it on a bar. That was a weird turn for me. Coyote Ugly is a rom-com-ish. It's not a comedy, but it didn't really feel like a drama to me. In my mind, I thought it was this drama. And so when I'm getting into this (laughs) thing, I'm really taking weird turns. We basically got this New Jersey girl who's moving to New York to try to make it as a songwriter. She doesn't want to be a performer. She wants to be a songwriter. She wants to get her songs on the radio. So she's pitching her songs to all of these songwriters in New York. She's a naive little belle of the ball who shows up and everybody is like cold and heartless. And they're like, what are you doing here? We're all here for the same thing. Get in line, whatever. Her apartment gets broken into. She's sad. She's lonely. And she is broke. She goes to a diner. Some guy offers her a free piece of pie after she really obviously, in my opinion, pulls out two dollars. And it's like, oh, um, <laughs> how much is the pie? The pie cost- <laughs> got it. We got it. You poor. So he right. gives her this free piece of pie. And all of a sudden these gals come in and they are betting on some magazine and whose favorite movie is what. And they got cash flowing out their body. There's just cash everywhere. They're like, we made 300 apiece tonight, which back in 2000 was not a bad That's a good amount night. of money to make. Once I saw what they were doing, I thought, you only got $300. <laughs> I had to remind myself, said in 2000. She kind of figures out where these quote unquote coyotes are going. She goes to the bar, lands herself a audition to be a coyote and shows up and is the completely innocent little princess amongst these very seasoned, some would say stripper-esque karaoke dancer actually bartenders that's a lot of description <laughs> but that's what they're it not is. strippers they're not strippers. they're bartenders who every once in a while hop up on the bar and dance by every once in a while uh, almost constantly they're not just dancing they're sexually dancing there's poles involved and that happens at strip clubs so but don't they have their clothes on the whole time strippers have clothes the only on? people that took their clothes off were the men anyway i'm just strippers defending wear them. Clothes. they're not strippers mm. Definitively, strippers take their clothes off. They strip. Okay. They sometimes start with articles of clothing in this movie and then 
later miss out on some of them. So you tell me <laughs> what you think about that. But I'm going to keep nice going from here. I failed to mention to you that our heroine, Violet, or as the girls in the Coyote Ugly Bar call her, Jersey, meets this boy, Kevin. And she thinks that Kevin is a music producer through a, a series of events. So she tries to give him her music and he kind of makes a fool of her by saying, yeah, yeah, I'm this producer. And then it comes out, he's a waiter. He's got 8,000 jobs and he's barely making it work. She and Kevin start dating. Then it turns out he does actually have musical connections. So he tries to get her this musical connection. He makes a deal where he gets this really nice comic book because he's apparently into comic books. And then she doesn't show up because she can't get away from the bar. But she was supposed to show up to this event that he had planned for her where she was going to play her music and be seen. She basically chickens out. That's what mm-hmm. happened. That's exactly what happened. Kevin comes to confront her. and She and the coyotes work overnight dusk to dawn so he comes and sees her dance and some guy jumps up on the bar and is dancing with her and kevin gets into a fight our girl jersey gets fired it's a whole thing it's tragic her dad finds out that she's singing and sexually dancing but not stripping though sometimes clothes come off a little bit at this coyote ugly bar when her dad walked in the bar and sees her gyrating while they're pouring water on her that was a bit much and i can see how someone's father would not want them doing that as a job as can i and so he was upset he tells her so is it like full on judgment? The dad was surely upset. Upset <laughs> says to her, this is the first time I was ever ashamed of you. It's yeah, okay, rough, yeah. but it's not mean. Harsh. Okay. He's right. I just mean big picture of the movie. No, but yeah, the dad shames her. No mm. doubt. But okay. then, okay. and this is the turning point. He gets into a car accident. She oh. goes back to Jersey. She sees her dad in the hospital. He's ish apologizes. He's like, I want you to go back and get your dream and you do whatever you need to do and blah, blah, blah. She leaves there and she's like, okay, I'm going to go back to New York and I'm going to make it happen. And all of a sudden, she has all this modern technology to write her songs with. Earlier, (laughs) she's tracking on some little keyboard and a cassette tape. And now she's got a computer. Yeah, she's got a real nice, like, 2000 Mac. I don't know where she got this cash. I guess from working at the Coyote Ugly Bar. Yeah, she danced for it. Well, she got fired. Because of her boyfriend, Kevin, coming in and getting that bar fight. So she gets another job in this cafe. Her old boss comes back, apologizes, gets her back. She and Kevin make amends as she ends up coming back, singing a song at the Coyote Ugly Bar. She lands this huge deal. She and her boyfriend, Kevin, kiss and make up, and they're fine. And and life goes on. And then you have a huge star appearance right there at the end out of nowhere. That's right. Leanne Rimes comes on up. Leanne Rhymes out of nowhere is performing at this bar. She goes into all of these studios initially trying to get her songs picked up. And she's like, I need you to hand this to Whitney. I'm thinking Houston. Right. He doesn't know that writers write stylistically for certain artists. I just love that. She's like, I've got this song for Whitney Houston. That was her era, right? She's clearly writing a Leanne Rhymes song, but trying to sell it to Whitney or Mariah. And it's like, you didn't write a Mariah song. You wrote a Leanne Rhymes song. And once she figured that out, it worked out for her. Yeah, that's right. She came Leanne Rhymes did well with that song when it came off that soundtrack. Oh, yeah. I, I was like, oh, I know this song. And I thought I hadn't seen this movie, but I knew the song. So, you know, good for Leanne. It sounds like you enjoyed it. For what it's I worth. will say I did. Some of the acting kind of took me out a little bit. There were just oh, especially that there. one bartender. Yeah, it's there's bad. just some it's wildly over bad. the top acting <laughs> that is just almost too distracting to get past. But then I kept telling myself, 
think rom-com and I just stayed with it and I'll say I enjoyed it I wanted her and Kevin to get together in the end and they did and she got what she wanted overall I'd give it a B it was good Abigail this is one that I wasn't as familiar with I might watch this this weekend I think you would enjoy the watch I did enjoy it this sounds good with a light popcorn some wine yes exactly when you don't care about anything you just want Mm -hmm. like a thankless Mm, that's awesome. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I remember having had a lot of fun at this movie and knowing this is just a fun summer good time film. Overall, I'd give it a B. I'm glad I'm done with my blind spot. I did have a good time, but it was a lot of work. Abigail, I'm really proud of you because you really dived into some culture here. You dived into a bunch of pop culture things that I feel like you really embrace. And I feel like you've come out on this other side. Just I'm a uh, different person. Entertainment connoisseur. That's right. You know, culture is the name of this game that we've been playing. 95 to 2005, I got you now. I got it, baby. I got it. Also, I know why I wasn't allowed to watch this movie. Oh, for sure. (laughs) But I think it would have been better at 14 had you watched the movie than gotten so drunk you don't remember it. I think that's accurate. And I think that if I had told my mom I watched this movie I wasn't allowed to watch, as opposed to I got slam dunk drunk last night, she would have been happier with that. I am back with one of our favorite games. I say that on behalf of my teammates, but really I think it may just be mine, called Kiss, <laughs> Marry, or Banish. Oh my god, I again thought you were going to do Spelling Bee. Okay, good, good. Tonight, the theme of our Kiss, Marry, or Banish game is childhood movies and stories. I think we're going to have a little bit of fun with this one. Okay. Let's do it. All right, first up to bat, we have Scar from The Lion King, Ursula from The Little Mermaid, or Jafar from Aladdin? Hmm. Damn, this is hard. I'm banishing Jafar. Okay. I'm going to kiss Scar. Mm. Oh, yeah, that um, makes sense. Based on what we know about you, yeah. likely you're right. I thought he was going to run his campaign. <laughs> I forgot about that. And I'll marry Ursula. Oh, tell us why. She's got a lot There's of power, just- a lot of influence. Yes, exactly, and mm-hmm. I love that power couple vibes, bad B vibes all-around legend. I know we've had our debates about this, but truly legendary energy. Yeah, but leave your socks laying around the house and see if you don't turn up to be a little weed. I'm with you, though. I definitely have to learn how to swim fast so I can get to the top and out of her. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. You can always just stab her with a triton. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you, though, Alex. I think I would marry Ursula. I love her. I think she's awesome. We'd have a good time. I don't want to live or kiss with a lion, so <laughs> I'm going to put him but, out. But a sea octopus is fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm speciesist if you're not at least half. I'm cool with people. Hey, I guess, everyone has to, Everyone has hypocrisy in their worldview, George. Yeah, you don't have to explain yeah. it to us. And Jafar's got real long fingers. I bet he's a good time. Oh, uh. right. <laughs> Unreal. Well, we're just talking about kissing here, America. Okay, sure. Just kissing. So let's keep going. Right. <laughs> the next set of characters we have are some fun side characters. The first is Tinkerbell from Peter Pan, Hank the Octopus from Finding Dory, and Jiminy Cricket. Gosh, this is um, tough. It is. 
I think that Hank would have to be banished just because I don't even know him. He is a pretty this. cranky guy. Sorry to I'll this man. That. He's not Sorry a man. Sorry to this he's man. Not, but he is pretty Great cranky. Kiki Palmer. Yeah, okay. Oh, and he's cranky? Oh, no, bye. I would kiss Jimmy Cricket just to shut up because I feel like he just like talks all the time. Like, I'm a talker. <laughs> I just felt like Jimmy Cricket was excessive. And he's self righteous. He's always telling you what yeah. to do. Mm. So I would just kiss it just to shut it up. Oh, okay, baby. And Good. then Tinkerbell, I'll marry. I'm the same slate. I don't want to have Jiminy Cricket up in my house telling me every time I'm doing something wrong. I don't need a conscience. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. Next, we're going on a list of transformative characters. Shrek, the Beast. <laughs> this okay. is not from a childhood movie, but it had to stick with the theme. The Elephant Man. Okay. Abigail, that's disturbing. <laughs> I just Googled that. I, I've known George for years and never heard that tone of voice. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you do that to me? <laughs> that was a mean prank. Let me explain myself. The beast is somebody that looks hideous. People think is dangerous, but then is actually someone very kind underneath. The elephant man mm. is same. I can actually not get through the whole movie because it makes me sob, but he is a man that physical appearance wise, people thought, oh, he's hideous. They treat him horribly, but he was actually a very good uh. and beautiful person. And Shrek well, he says he's ugly from the whole thing, but we know he's still a good guy, even though he's an ogre. He's a lot of fun. So these three characters are those. I'm sorry that, George, you've never seen The Elephant Man, but that's a blind spot that I'm challenging you to. Respectfully decline. <laughs> sorry, that's not going to work. And I also feel like it's a trap. If Alexandria, for example, <laughs> doesn't opt to kiss the elephant man, she seems like a bad person. This is kind of a setup. Yeah. yeah. It's so a mean prank and a trap. It's not a prank and it's not a trap. Let's get some answers here. Enough of this lollygagging. I mean, the beast is hot. Okay. The prince? Meh. Prince does nothing for me. Beast kind of hot. All right. We know you um, now oh, in a whole new way. I guess way. I'm so, kissing the beast. Oh, you're not okay. going to marry him. Wow. His house is a wreck. I'm not <laughs> cleaning up after that. Once yeah. he turns into the prince after true love, his house is beautiful. Yeah, so all... he's less cute, but the house is clean. Oh, I'd okay, rather wow. just kiss him and move on with my life. Okay, that's fair. Let's keep going. And I guess I have to marry the elephant man because I'll feel like a bad person if I don't, even though that's not really my answer. <laughs> okay, well, give us your real answer. We know you. Okay, just, it's Shrek. You're going to marry Shrek, though. Well, I don't Shrek's know why. Shrek's house is a mess, too. I was about to say, he's Shrek's a at least with the beast, you have servants. I am changing this. You're right. Because <laughs> I don't want to kiss the other two either. Shrek eats onions. You have That's a disgusting. butler. Shrek's <laughs> hygiene is questionable. I don't know, Alex. I've never been stumped on this guy. hygiene. I'm banishing the beast because the temper tantrum he had in the beginning is a little much for me. But I'm just banishing the beast for his own good. If you banish okay. the beast, can you keep his staff on your payroll? No. Oh, yeah, I'm taking over, like, Bill. Like, then you can live with it. Shrek in the Beast's house Bill. with his maid, right? That's not how this works. Oh. Alex, so you banish <laughs> the Beast. What else? Okay, I'm with George. I'm marrying the Elephant Man. Also because you say he had a beautiful spirit. He does. And I think... He does. You're such a sage mage. We love you. Wow. <laughs> I'll kiss Shrek. There's something about Shrek that's lovable. You would get a beer with Shrek. Oh, totally. Can I kiss... Princess Fiona instead? 
No. She right, seems like she brushes it's her teeth. Late. You already made your choice. Oh. All right, Alex. Okay. I, I, this is the worst. <laughs> last category. Some more secondary characters. All birds. Iago, the obnoxious parrot from Aladdin. Zazu, the obnoxious toucan from Lion King. And Scuttle, the singing sensation from The Little Mermaid. <laughs> Scuttle's a good time. He's totally a good time. He gives her the yeah. doppel hang, the doppelganger. What does he call the fork? Dinglehopper, right? Dinglehopper. That's mm. right. Dinglehopper. He's a total piece of work. So much fun. This is a toughie, Abigail. I'm torn because Iago and Zazu were two special type of a-holes. As That's birds, exactly right? right. I love that you said it like that. Which one would I want to get rid of? Like, Zazu had information, but there was a lot of anxiety there. Whereas, I felt like there's insecurity with Iago. I don't have time for the back and forth. I like consistency. Hmm. Okay, so bye, Iago. Bye. Okay, Iago's out. He's banished. Goodbye. You're gone. Uh, Now to kiss Scuttle or Zazu. Once again, probably kiss Zazu to shut him up. And we'll marry Scuttle because of the fun. Definitely, Yagos has to go. He's going to betray you. you right, can't. he'll betray you, yeah. no doubt. Yeah, the second yeah. a better opportunity comes up for him, he's out. So he's got to go. the coop. Scuttle is a good time, and I bet we'd have a lot of fun being married. We'd go to thrift stores and flea markets and tell me <laughs> oh the names God. of things. This, this is a who's what's it. But, oh, my God, Scuttle-less festivals. Yes. Yes, right. yeah, just take Scuttle to an arts I festival. Could, It'd be a I great time. I could see time. him having fun drinking at an outdoor concert and being a good hang for hours. Yeah, uh. but I also feel like Zazu works for a king. We'd go to balls. They didn't have very fancy parties in the Lion Bride. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm just going to kiss Zazu. If he had worked for a king with a palace, though, we would be, you'd be, you'd be, you'd be married. Hit. Who's got a pride rock? I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Zazu was very pretentious. They don't have any yeah. on Pride Rock. I don't want to hang there too long. It's full right. of lions. It's not, yeah, it's Scary. just full of lions. Get out of there. <laughs> Well, that wraps up our game, and I appreciate you guys playing our mostly Disney version of Kiss, <laughs> Marry, or Banish. I stick by my choices. Would you rather kiss Tinkerbell or commit genocide? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's why we play these games, George. If it was all easy, yes. would it even be a game? No, That's it fair. would not. This has been another episode of The Funniest People I Know. We record for the Georgia Radio Reading Service. Thank you, producer Jane Boynton, who edits the show. Thank you, Jane. Thank you, Jane. If you enjoy the show, please review, like, subscribe, and share it with a friend. We're available on every service, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, and Pandora. You can email us at funniestpeopleiknow at gmail.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at funniestpeopleiknow. Have a hilarious week. See you next time. Bye.